skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like why trust and jealousy are sometimes not connected, when worldviews don't align, and why love is more than just butterflies. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, advice givers, Mm -mm. relationship therapists, Mm -mm. anything of the sort. Mm -mm. Uh, We we just have a lot of opinions and ideas and you all keep writing us letters. So we're going to keep answering them. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. Please take our advice as you see fit in your life. Um, We are just here to offer our very humble musings. So please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience. That is love. I love it. 
Yeah. Can we start this episode with a shout out? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just want to give a shout out to Jenny, who sat next to me at the conference that I was at oh, and cute. was like, I love you and your podcast, and then told everyone at the table about the podcast. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks for the love and support. Jenny, That's it was so great to meet sweet. you. <laughs> Aw, Jenny. Thanks for listening. Um all right. So this week's check-in topic is inspired by a letter from a letter writer whose name is Check-in Topic. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they write, I am a huge fan of hashtag block, 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 but when should slash could you unblock someone? Obviously, you could block forever and some people definitely should. But what if, for example, you left things on good terms and just needed space virtually slash technology? technologically for a while. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Love y'all. What do you think, Sam? As the patron saint of the Black Black Block, (laughs) the person who brought us, who parted the seas to reveal unto us Black Black Block method. (laughs) I am I am the Moses of Black Black Block. I understand. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um what what do you think about that? What do you think about the unblock black block? Yeah. Um I think the question is, like, what are you hoping to achieve with this unblock? Um, How dare like, what's you ask the, that? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what's the goal here? Mm-hmm. Is it to um, give yourself, like, a tiny little knife cuts every day as you look on their social media and feel bad about yourself? Because, like, that's probably not a yeah. great reason to unblock. Yeah. And it really is, like, I think, again, like, if you want to unblock people, like unblock them, right? Like I'm not trying to say that there's like a hard and fast, like mm-hmm. everyone should block everyone all the time. But I do think that like, again, we live in this this sort of moment right now where it feels like we should have unfettered access to all people all the time. And so like this idea of like, yeah, I want to see them on my social media because I want to like wish them well or like I want them to be able to text me if they need me or like whatever it is. I want to say that it's possible to wish people well and like not see them every day in your feed, right? Like, God damn I think you. that part of <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I think part of the practice is also being like, yeah, I wish them well, and they don't need to know that I wish them well, right? Like, they oh don't need to know that I'm this like enlightened person who has like unblocked them or whatever. But instead, being like, no, this person is still not in my life because I don't need them in my newsfeed every day. Is it still called a newsfeed? I haven't been on Facebook since 2016. Newsfeed. <laughs> I don't know. That's something that comes out of a printing press, Sam. <laughs> Just you're just lucky I didn't call it their wall because like that's that's really for what what Facebook was for me, um, and so like no, this your, idea of like feed. yeah you were right you can like wish people you can wish people kindness and not have them see it <laughs> you know like yeah. it doesn't need to be about having that person back in your life like you are capable of 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 practicing and sending that love and and warm wishes to that person without needing to like see that they're on vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) totally. I think that the opportunities for the unblock are appropriate, like probably fucking, I don't know, 60% of the time in which you deem you're ready to unblock someone, you're probably not. But the other 40% of the time... (laughs) Well, I threw that number. I think that number is like way higher. I threw that number out there as a pro, like in the pro side. And I was like, no, it's much smaller than that. So I flipped it. (laughs) So let's say 40% of you are ready to unblock someone. Um, And I think Sam's right to question like, well, what, 
what do you want that unblocking to be? Just just so that you have um, a path to them or that you can check in on their life or whatever. Because I do understand that if you're considering unblocking someone for positive reasons and not reasons that are rooted in pain or rooted in shame about how things ended, then that this could be like a positive relationship. This could be, mm-hmm. this could be like fully healed, ready to see them again, ready to even be friends or whatnot. I guess the question would be like, are they ready for that? Do they yeah. do they want you back in their life? Um, what does it serve your, how does it serve your life to have them in your visual feed again? And I mean visual, mm. like, I mean, like, like the letter writer said, both virtually and technologically and also mentally, like the feed of your brain, you know? Does it <laughs> your brain feed? Yeah, yeah brain feed. Um, <laughs> does it serve you to have them in that landscape? Um, sometimes it does, right? Like we know people who are really good friends with their exes. We know that um, the black, black, black is not a universal saving grace by any means. Yep. But also, yep. it is a new phenomenon to have access to people from our past in the way that we do now. It is not For a phenomenon sure. that we it feels so crucial right now. It feels like we need this access to survive or we or kind of pivoting off of what you said, like we need this access to be good people. We need to mm. be able to wish someone happy birthday to their face in order yep. for them to know that we wish them happy birthday or for, for them to have a good birthday, right. right? We need to be able to say like, I'm so happy for you in order for them to actually feel happy themselves, like, which is, we know, actually a lie. <laughs> it's for mm-hmm. us. To, so, you know, whatever. It's for us to say that to them. And um, yeah, so I, I think it's hard because like, we're not talking about a specific instance. If this letter writer wrote right. in and was like, you know, I haven't seen this person in six years. We've both totally moved on. Uh, yeah, but still, I don't know, like, what, we don't know what's going on what's in their the life. motivation? Yeah, for sure. I guess, like, um, uh, play it out with me. Like, what if it was somebody I hadn't seen in, like, 10 years um, that, and I was just curious about their life? Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know because we're curious human beings. No, this I'm serious. Like, wor- workshop no, me. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking myself that question. Like, why? Why would I? Why am I curious about their life? And what is it going to bring me? Yeah, I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like we the situation is so different. If yeah, and the situation would be different if I like ran into this person at a restaurant yes. or something. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, we're in front of each other. Like, what's new with you? Like, what's going on in your life? But the passivity of just like receiving these updates, especially these like really curated updates from folks is like, is really challenging. Like it, it, it allows us to, it allows us to fill in a lot of blanks, right. And tell a lot of stories about what's happening and, and we don't need it. Like, that's the thing is like, it feels like we need it because we're in this moment where it's like. Yeah. Well, and we're also the age of Google, you know, like when my wife asked me a question, that I don't know the answer to, I immediately reach for my phone. And sometimes she'll go <laughs> yeah. like, well, I was just like curious what you thought. And I was like, and I'm well, like, no, we tell- need to know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you what Google told me to think, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever unblocked an ex and not regretted it? <laughs> N- no. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I... 
Or how about this? It's not that I feel regret, but I have felt like, what am I doing this for? You know what I mean? Like, like what, like what, to what purpose? You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think the bigger lesson in here is just exactly what you started with is like, how can we feel a sense of security and healing within ourselves where we can wish people well and know that that is enough on our end? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I, it's hard though, because like, I mean, I fucking, I'm not even going to talk about the details about it. You already know about this situation. You're already mad at me for doing something that I shouldn't have done. I'm not going to get into the details about it, but I fucking reached out to an ex and I fucking regret it. Obviously it wasn't like a, a message of longing. I'm happy in my marriage, but I regret it was like breaking the seal. Like when you're drunk and you have to pee, I regret yep. it because now it like welcomed in a flood of feelings like, um, like second guessing myself, you know, questioning everything. It like, it welcomed in a flood of stuff that like, I literally didn't need in my brain feed right mm-hmm. now. Yep. <laughs> and sure. the fucking sure. fucked up part about it is that I was literally just sending well wishes. And now I'm like, oh my God, why did I say those? Like, what, what does he feel about that? You know, like I, for sure. I, I, so the, Two things. This is me being vulnerable with our just breakup audience to be like, I did this thing that uh-huh. I fucking repeatedly tell all of you not to do. Number one, transparency. Number two, I actually was thinking about this because it's like I, I literally don't even want to confess that I did this to you guys because I am mad at myself for doing it. But here's a perfect fucking example of you knowing something and knowing it. And embodying it, like, are totally different. And sometimes Mm. you just have to learn a lesson until it's learned. Like, for for example, and this is, like, the humanizing part for of me and everybody out there. Like, I... I, now I know. <laughs> now I'm gonna, I'm never gonna reach out to that ex or an ex ever again because uh-huh. because even all these conversations we have, I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't really live it until and I didn't really believe it until I lived it, you know? And so this is, this <laughs> yeah. is less about this topic about like unblocking and more like a zoom out on the, the universal idea of like these lessons that we learn. Like sometimes mm-hmm. man, the threshold, you, you think, you know, a lesson and then, it, and then it really sets in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about you all when I was like, uh, you know, being hard on myself this weekend. <laughs> But well, anyway, I don't want you to be hard on yourself. <laughs> no, not hard on myself, but just like I it was it's almost comical how like I how much I learned in that one small choice. It was mm-hmm. like all the learning was set up with all of our conversations, but I still couldn't get myself to not send that fucking message. Sierra, you are not that important in these people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> also and then that. immediately I was like, why the fuck did I do that? Why the fuck did I do it? Why did I do it? And then it, then, then the lesson settles in. Um, yeah, I just share that because I'm sure people relate of like, why didn't they know better? And then it's like, you don't know better until you do. Um, Mm -hmm. and also full transparency contacted my ex, totally regret it. Probably don't unblock them. (laughs) (laughs) (gasps) Nothing even bad came out of it. I just literally, I'm like, why did I do that? And that's Every time that I have done that too, where I've like reached out to an ex or like unblocked them or whatever it is, I do it. And then halfway through the process of doing it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Yes. (laughs) 
I'm I'm like, what am I trying to prove? I don't understand. Like, what is this? What is this impulse that I have that I think lots of people share that is like not even a bad thing, but it's like, I think it's, I think it's connected to this like need to be liked, like this idea of like this relationship fell apart. It wasn't great or it was fine. Like even nexus that I ended on good terms with. And then I like go through this thing where I'm like, okay, well let's like, let's block and then we'll come back together and then we'll figure out how to like be in each other's lives. And every time it's like, why am I doing this? I don't understand. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to prove to myself and this person by continuing to have them in my life when we broke up and like, I I know what I'm trying to prove. I'm trying to prove that like I'm a better, more evolved person or like I'm a bigger person or, or what? And it's like, Sierra, no one is going to believe that until you believe it. (laughs) You know, like no one is going to, uh, that's a little drastic, but like, I guess editing that phrase, it doesn't matter if other people in your past don't know your present self. It does. They, people Mm. who know only your past self, Put that don't on get a to aff- <laughs> don't get to affirm <laughs> don't get to affirm who you are right now, you know. And I get really conflicted because I have that curse of like really wanting to be liked, really struggling with that, which sounds so mm. trivial, but it's just so real. <laughs> um, Sorry, my voice cracked as I was mmming you. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't just sassing me. Um, but also I think we get confused, I get confused with like, um, etiquette on niceness, you know what I mean? Mm. On, um, and, and sorry, I'm all over the place. I fucking married an ex. <laughs> like I married, I am <laughs> not true. friends with you my unblocked. wife. Wait, so there, there was a time that you unblocked an ex and you didn't regret it. <laughs> Listen, bitch, I am not her friend on Facebook. Willow doesn't have any social media. She has Facebook, but she hasn't checked it in like 10 years. But we're not friends on Facebook because I did not refriend. I unfriended her. I blocked her on Facebook. You know, I didn't really block her. I just unfriended her, which got her out of my feed, as you say. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we're we're married, but we're not uh, friends on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway. Good conversation starter for this superb episode. Are you ready to get into our letters? Yeah, I feel like the writer of that was like, but should I? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. How about this? We we put on like a whole philosophy about (laughs) social media. What is, what's that thing where you, they tell you like to delay buying something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, put it in your cart. And then if you want it, I don't know, in a week. No, no. It's like 30 days or something like that. Way longer. Like, think about it. I would never buy anything. (laughs) 30 days later? Exactly. You'll never buy anything. Save yourself some money. Um, But uh, check out every plate. Wait wait 30 days. (laughs) Stay tuned. That ad's going to run shortly. (laughs) It's going to change. The ad's going to leave. Cut that, Spencer. (laughs) Sorry, Spencer. Um, So just wait 30 days or fuck it. Wait. If it doesn't really matter, wait 60 days and then see if you really want to open that door again. Wait seven years. And then if you still feel the same. (laughs) Wait to the next lifetime and then be like, do I want to karmically go through this with you again? (laughs) Perfect. There we go. That's the right solution. Uh, Y'all, Sam and I are in a mood today. Let's get into our first letter. All right. This letter comes from Jealous Jane, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from The Swamp. 
Sam and Sierra. While I've considered writing you about a number of deep traumatic issues, here I am submitting a question about trust, LOL. What does it mean to actually trust? I'm in my mid-30s, straight woman, and in a mostly great relationship with Jay, he, him. We've been friends slash friends with benefits for more than 15 years. That is a long time to be friends with benefits with someone. (laughs) (laughs) And officially together for three and living together. He's sensitive, creative, loyal, and he and my dog are obsessed with each other. You love to see it. We plan to get married, buy a house, et cetera, in the next few years. However, I'm struggling with the question of what real trust looks like in a long-term relationship. He has a friend who is a woman and they talk regularly on the phone, something he never did with me. And we're very close friends in grad school, although he says that they were never romantically or sexually involved. He brings her up in conversation sometimes and there's some things they have in common that he and I don't. I've been cheated on in the past, so this has repeatedly brought up insecurities for me. When we first started dating, I asked him flat out if I should be worried. Being in your 30s has some huge advantages. I don't play around anymore. He was open, seemed sincere, and didn't criticize me for asking. He's also done things like show me everyone he's friends with on Snapchat when I made a joke about him still having the app past the age of 25, no (laughs) offense, and reassured me when I felt insecure about something. In all the time I've known him, he's been nothing but loyal and trustworthy. And we know that it's easy to trust trustworthy people, right? So my question is, what does it mean for me to trust him? I hear him saying, quote, I talked to X on the phone last night. She was dealing with a work situation and wanted to talk. And the jealousy monster inside me wants to pop up and to make me feel insecure. Yeah. Objectively, I don't think that there's anything inappropriate going on. And he's never given me a reason to doubt him. But emotionally, it still makes me turn red inside when I hear about her. So do I actually trust him or not? Is trust reaching a point where you don't have these emotional reactions? Or is trust just being mature enough to say in your head, I see you insecurity and here's why you're wrong. Is trust a feeling or a commitment despite your feelings? I don't want to punish him for my insecurities and the actions of men in my past. So when this happens, I try to remember all the reasons my emotions are lying to me. In the past, I've been an expert at diminishing my feelings to make men comfortable, but I'm older now and I don't want to overcompensate by expressing every feeling that I have. Uh, Hard relate to that one. I know you're going to make this make sense in a way I never could. So thank you in advance. Oh, God. It it already (laughs) makes sense in every way possible to us. So thank you. Absolutely. Jane. Uh, Okay. I'm going to do one of those iconic things on Just Breakup in which I take something that I said in the past and denounce it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Our favorite thing. I heard, um, you know, I hear Jane echoing back something that I said on the podcast years ago, which is that it's easy to trust trustworthy people. And while I still agree with that sentiment, this posed that idea in such a great light that it that it made me want to add to that. So, you know, in saying that it's easy to trust trustworthy people, I was talking about my wife and how, you know, I went from a relationship that with infidelity and lying and just total constant paranoia um, into this relationship in which Willow, my wife, is very forthcoming, very honest, um, very, very trustworthy. Um, and that was just like a night and day experience, right? Where, Which is where I got the idea, the phrase, it's easy to trust trustworthy people. A lot of my insecurities mm-hmm. were quelled immediately just because of her, I don't know, vibe, right? <laughs> because she <laughs> held herself in a different way than my other ex did. However, sure. I just want to stress that 
just because she's trustworthy doesn't mean that trusting her came easy at first because Mm. trust is really more about, you know, your insecurities, about your past, how we have been culturally trained to be more paranoid than trustworthy. Um, Mm. Especially, you know, think rom-coms like it, we, it is often seen, and we see this in our letters, it is often seen as abnormal if we don't, if we, if we automatically trust people, right? Or if we're For not, sure. if we don't need that reassurance, right? Um, and so there was a period in our relationship, um, and it still, it still pops its head up. You know, jealousy still pops its head, head up once in a while in my current relationship. Um, but there was especially a period in the beginning where I had to n- n- navigate the same jealousy triggers that I had in the other relationship. What made mm. it easier is her response was different. Therefore, I couldn't continue to tell myself those stories that she was untrustworthy, that something was going to go wrong, that I was going to find something on her phone, that she was going to come home late one night smelling of another woman, you know, like (laughs) I couldn't tell myself those, those stories anymore because she was just so steadfast in her trustworthiness that it made it easier for me to, um, slowly unpack that baggage that I had. So yes, trustworthy people are easier to trust, but that doesn't mean it's Mm -hmm. still not a journey. It doesn't mean it's still not a process of unraveling all that makes us feel jealous in the first place. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I think it's really important to point out that trust does not equate no jealousy. Right. Because I think that trust and jealousy are not actually that related, exactly. right? I think that I think that um, jealousy is much more internal, and trust is much more external, wow. right? So, like jealousy that comes up for us isn't a isn't is often not even about our partner, and is more about our perception of our standing with our partner, our perception of our worthiness of our partner's love, our perception of our I guess like ability or need to yeah. control everything, right? I would this even idea say, like, of like the trust of the universe, like, oh my God, something's gonna yeah. grow, the other shoe's gonna drop. Mm-hmm. Or trust of ourselves too, right? Like this idea of like, I need to, I need to be hyper vigilant because if something goes wrong here, it'll be my fault that mm-hmm. I didn't pay enough attention to it, right? Or it'll be my fault that I didn't see the warning signs, or it'll be my fault that I didn't look at his friends on Snapchat. If I had done that, then he wouldn't have cheated, or I wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt this much when something happens. So, like, I think that you are practicing a lot of trust with your partner, right? Because you're believing all the things that he's saying to you. You're saying like, mm-hmm, yep, this is a friend. They've they've only been friends. They are not romantically involved, and he. I trust him to have these conversations and look at how he's showing me his friends on Snapchat. Like he's showing me that he is trustworthy and I can believe him while also having these experiences of like, and I still feel like I can't believe why he's with me. Or I still feel like he's obviously going to go pick someone else because I'm not the the right person for him or I'm not worthy of his love or whatever it is. So I want to say like, I do think that the two things are connected in some ways, right? Like, cause often our jealousy comes from people who are not trustworthy, but I do think that it is much more of an internal process to manage rather than trust, which I think is much more sort of focused on the other person. 
So I think you're doing all the right things. Like <laughs> I love it when letters, letters writers write in and they're yeah. like, here's all the things I'm trying. And it's like, that's what I would try in that situation too. Right. Doing yeah. the head and heart work of saying, yep, there's that feeling. Yep. There's that jealousy telling me lies about the fact that he's going to leave me or telling me lies about the fact that I'm not worthy of his love or that he's secretly in love with someone else. And cool. Welcome. I know you, you're here. And here's what I'm going to do instead. Here's what I'm going to remind myself, which is that he's choosing to be with me. Yes. He's given me absolutely no reason to believe that he doesn't love me. I am worthy of his love. I am somebody who is worthy of being in a committed relationship with. I have in the past had people who haven't seen me as that, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. Right. And that doesn't mean that it's not, it's happening here. So I think you're doing a great job of trusting him, honestly, yeah. like from the letter, like you're telling me all the things that are, um, that are really hard to do when you've been hurt in the past. Um, and I think you're doing all the things that you need to do to address that monster that comes up in you. Uh, that's telling you all of these these things about yourself that that Sierra and I know to not be true and that we invite you to also believe. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like yeah. you're really trying to do that. Yeah. And if it gives you any solace, like reading this letter, neither Sam and I are like, oh man, this man is untrustworthy or like red flag here. Mm -hmm. He's got a female friend that he talks to on the phone. <laughs> Throw that dog to the curve. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, what if that was our podcast? <laughs> shows like that totally exist. I'm sure they do. Um, oh, absolutely. But I, so I wanted to give you that like piece of comfort that like none of this seems, this all seems very well-rounded to me, right? Like mm. he shows you his Snapchat. He has a friend that he's had for a long time, a proven friendship, Right. Um, talks to them on the phone, them on the phone. Do you talk on the phone a lot with your friends? Like, is that a weird thing that he didn't do that to you when you were, you know, that was like something she brought up, right? Oh, I don't talk to anyone on yeah, the phone. I thought you were asking me. I was like, ah, zero people. <laughs> no, you were looking at, you were looking at me. Um, you know, like, uh, maybe you guys don't talk on the phone, but like, maybe that was established as such in your relationship early on 15 years ago. And th we know those habits are really hard to break. And like, there are friends I talk to the phone onto the phone with, and there are friends that I don't talk on the phone with. It's not like a universal style for me. It, it's dependent on the relationship. So none of this seems too odd for me. Um, Mm -mm. I did want to give you a couple examples of like how you could continue this head and heart work of like pivoting in those moments. Again, I don't think you're, I don't think we're not going to experience jealousy, even in the healthiest of relationships. I still experience mm -hmm. pangs of jealousy in my partnership. And when they come up, you know, here's a funny example. Like, my wife, so trustworthy, so, so straight, straight and narrow. Is that a phrase? Straight and narrow? What a yeah, weird. Uh -huh. She's on, she's on the straight and narrow. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that like sober or is, am I misinterpreting that? Cause yeah, that's not is, my yeah. wife. <laughs> my <laughs> wife like, loves, I know she likes red wine loves and tiny the cups. Word red wine. Yep. Um, <laughs> but so she's so trustworthy. She has like friends that she's had for, you know, decades. And sometimes I, get 
I was going to say I used to get, but I still do. I get insecure because she'll make plans with those friends when I have plans, right? And in, you know, like mm. the jealousy monster in my head is like, oh, and the, ugh, you, because you, because I'm busy and you're alone to do whatever you want, you know? My <laughs> jealousy monster is very Judy attitude you know? <laughs> um, and like, but here's my example for our letter writer is like, okay, I'm going to stop that thought and be like, well, she's told me she makes plans with them when I'm busy because she'd rather spend time with me when I'm not busy. Number one, that's what she's told me. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Nice, nice Uh wife. Good job. Makes sense. Uh, But number two, like it's her friendship with this person. And so it's just the jealousy insecurity monster inside me. That's like, I need to be a part of these plans in order to make them safe, in order to make them like healthy. But Mm. but that's not, this is how I stop those thoughts in the track is that like, it's not that she's making those plans with this person when I'm busy because she wants to go off and do something, you know, inappropriate or untrustworthy or, or whatnot. It's because I don't really have a friendship with that person. (laughs) So why would I be involved? (laughs) You know, just like sort of talking sense, talking sense to that monster and knowing that that monster is always going to be there, but like you can like domesticate it a little. (laughs) Is that a fair? Uh I love that. No, domesticate the monster. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right, darling, you are asking all the right questions. And I know this is like a little bit more of like an affirmation than it is an answer. But this is a part of the journey. Like, I don't think jealousy is going to go away, even in a trustworthy relationship. But you can sort of start soothing it. You can you can open up to your partner and ask him for help and support in in the domestication process. Like, be like, I know this is really foolish. I know I Uh, You are absolutely trustworthy and I have nothing to worry about, but can you just help me unpack this or shoulder this? But also you, I think you can do it by yourself. Like it sounds like you've got a lot of things going for you that is, that's, that will lend you to being able to unpack this on your own over time. Most of all, just accepting that, like the point is not feeling jealous. The point is having a different reaction to those feelings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, Jealous Jane, thank you so much for writing. We hope that this helps. We love you so much. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric 
fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, our next letter is coming to us from Woke and Sad, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the unknown nation of privilege. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, I just want to thank you for this podcast. On many occasions, simply writing to you has helped me see things clearer on my own. I need help knowing how to relate to my super privileged, super white boyfriend. Since we met, obviously, I knew our upbringings made us see the world differently, but somehow we've always made it work before. The issue is we just celebrated four years together, and I only realized in the last couple months how different we think on some political and social issues, mostly on feminism and fat phobia, which I feel very strongly about. For some context, my boyfriend, Lucas, 24, is a white, straight, cis man. He comes from a rich or how they like to say comfortable family and is only and is an only child. So you can imagine he mostly never struggled to get what he wanted growing up. Plus, he is not only neurotypical, but is naturally very smart. So never also so also never had to worry about school, not even now that we both go to college. I, on the other hand, 23, I'm a cis woman. I'm Latina. My dad died when I was 10 and left many debts behind. So my family basically has been poor ever since. Poor to the extent that some days we had no money, so my mom had to go out and sell stuff that day just so we could buy dinner. 
I come from a city in Latin America that is pretty dangerous to live in, especially as a woman. And I've worked to help my mom care for my three younger siblings since a very young age. So I'm no stranger to struggle. So I'm no stranger to a struggle or two in life. And it doesn't really stop now. Since I moved to Europe for college, I started experiencing a new type of discrimination for where I come from and what I look like. I understand coming from different places in life doesn't mean any privileged person is inherently bad because it's 100% untrue. Lucas can be the sweetest, most generous man I know. He supports me in my goals in life, and I've always felt extremely loved and safe with him. But because of his very privileged upbringing, he sometimes lacks the empathy or understanding for some human experiences and social issues people and social issues people are advocating for out there. For starters, Lucas does not understand why feminism exists and says it should be called gender equality movement since, quote, men struggle too. And he's tired of women around him complaining about gender issues when women here in Europe, quote, already have it as good as men. So apparently it's only okay for women to be feminists when they actually have their lives at risk every single day, question mark. Lucas feels attacked even when I bring up my own past experiences with harassment and gender inequality because he says he is not like that and would never do anything like that to me or other women, which I understand, but Lucas don't give a damn attitude really makes me feel like my own experiences are diminished. We have also discussed topics like mental health awareness, trans people in TV, and the one that hurts me the most is about body positivity. I'm overweight. And have been struggling with my size since I am 12. This new era of body positivity and acceptance for all body types is basically the reason I don't hate myself. But Lucas never had to worry about his worth depending on his body. So he doesn't understand that movement either. Lucas is nothing but loving of my body. He always tells me how sexy I am and that my weight gain simply makes him love me more. But he also says speaking up against fat phobia can actually be harmful since, quote, bigger people do have more with health issues and should not be ignored. After that conversation, I cried myself to sleep. So many old wounds on the shame I felt about my bodies for years resurfaced. The last drop that made me write to you was when Lucas said, quote, the woke generation now is sometimes just privileged kids trying to find problems for the sake of it. Seriously, like I had to double check. I was still talking to my 24 year old boyfriend from a progressive European family. Literally both his parents were Berlin hippies in the 80s. So I don't get it. We moved in together in 2020, get, go to the same university and have similar friends. So I keep asking myself, how can we live together every single day and also have just such different experiences in the same life? Also, some of his thoughts are also, some of the thoughts are coming to me as a surprise now. So I don't know if he's been just not sharing his opinion on certain topics in the past to keep the peace. I wish that he could be, I wish, I just wish he could be more understanding to my own experience and fights or anyone else's for that matter. He says we should just quote, agree to disagree, but I can't let it go. Hence me writing to you. I want to have more empathy and tolerance for Lucas instead of being frustrated and mad because he doesn't understand my points of view, especially because I know he doesn't mean it from a place of hate at all. He just can't relate to any group of people that has experienced discrimination. I think this is making him have such a narrow perspective on things, which I know is not his fault. My question is, 
how do I navigate this with Lucas on these topics? Like, how do I tell him some of the comments he are, he is making are homophobic, fatphobic, or rooted in misogyny in a way that doesn't sound like I'm attacking him? And is it even my task to help him understand? Please, please, please help. I am horrible with confrontation and I'm so confused about what to do. I deeply love this man and he's so charming and caring. But these new points of view that he has, I am just finding out about, are really throwing me off. Thank you for getting to the end of this letter. You are truly <laughs> such a light for many of us out there. Love, woke, and sad. Oh, well, thank you so much for writing to us, uh, woke and sad. And um, I'm sorry that you are experiencing this level of uncertainty in your yeah. relationship um, and that you are dating someone who is uh, deeply kind and charming and caring and loving uh, and generous and also seems to not be able to or not be willing to understand your experiences and see them as valid. Um, yeah. that's a really challenging place to be in. So I'm really sorry that you're facing this, this level of confusion. Um, cause I can understand, I could deeply understand how confusing yeah. this would be to have someone who's so loving to you and also so unable to see your own experiences. Yeah. It feels, it feels emotionally violent to me. And I know that that word seems like really drastic, but this person is, you know, it is violent for someone to come to you and say, this is my experience. And someone say that experience isn't real to me. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that is, yep. a, that's, that is inherently violent to me. And I know that seems like a dramatic word, but, um, it's, it is, there's a, there's a shutting down there. There's a, there's a violence to it. Um, and, I think Sam and I mostly want you to feel like loved and affirmed in your experience. And we want to communicate that this tells us more about your boyfriend than it tells us about you. It's not in your delivery. Mm -hmm. You're not telling your story wrong. You're not, you know, it's not that you need to empathize with him more. It's not that you need to articulate it in a better way. It's not even that you need to be better at confrontation. This tells mm -hmm. me more about your boyfriend. And I just want you to know that like, I believe every good thing that you wrote about your boyfriend. Like I believe that mm -hmm. he is a multifaceted, complicated human being like we all are, and that he has the absolute capacity to have these narrow-minded understandings of the world because of his lived experience and the capacity to be an amazing boyfriend or really generous or really kind. You know, um, yep. we like to, we like to villainize people into being black and white, you know, very good or very bad, you know, all racist yep. or saintly, you know what I mean? But we <laughs> right. can absolutely ha be a mixture of it all. So like, please don't, you know, Please don't hear what Sam and I are saying as 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 a negation of your experience with him because honestly that's my biggest goal right now is just to be like your experience is valid. Your experience is not only valid but it's real. Your experience with your boyfriend, this dissonance that you're experiencing, this um contradicting I uh, identities in within him, that's real. And your experience as a woman, um your experience as a Latin woman, like this are these are all real, your body, your bodily experience. And I want to share with you one thing that I have been ruminating on that my 
therapist gave me recently. I'm working through a interpersonal relationship in my life in which I have found it impossible to debate with this person. I've, I've mm. spare, sparing details, basically like um, this relationship has, has made itself apparent that the other person is committed to um, one-sided conversations. They're committed, they're committed to their belief systems, no matter how yep. well I articulate myself, no matter how much okay. compassion or empathy I extend to their understandings of things, it's not going to change how they receive mine, right? So I can do all the head or heart work in the world and they're still not going to, it's still not going to be an emotionally safe conversation for me, or it's not going to commit that violence that I talked about before. So my therapist gave me the phrase, like, I've decided that I no longer want to have emotionally um, vulnerable conversations with this person. And obviously this is a different situation than your partnership, but I, I just want to give you one phrase. I asked my therapist, like, what I should do if this person in my life tries to bring up these topics again. Um, and she told me to say, um, I'm not interested in debating my memory with you. I'm not, inter mm. I'm not interested in debating my experience with you. I'm not interested in debating my humanity with you. Right. And so that's, that's the troubling part about this letter to me is that, and the troubling part literally about, our humanity as a whole that like we really we hear people's lived experiences and we have this cultural pivoting that we do that says like nope don't believe it you know your mm -hmm. your ex-boyfriend was abusive but i've seen him be so friendly and so nice like right. so charismatic you know what i mean you experience yep. microaggressions as a person of color in your workplace oh well this workplace is so friendly it's so nice and warm you know uh, just be yep. grateful you know or like the whole there's one there's only one but one bad apple in the police force you know like there's not a problem right. as a whole you know we just love to do that pivoting instead of um instead of having compassion, you know, Alok Vermenen, sure. the fantastic um, trans non-binary uh, writer and advocate that I have just fallen in love with over the last year, reminds us that like when people bring something to us that is new, it is not for us to understand it. It's it's, we are meant to ha be curious and compassionate. We don't have to mm -hmm. understand something in order to have compassion. Um, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic now, but I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel frustrated for you um, mm. because of the complexity of this situation and because of the like violence that's being enacted on you when you have to debate your identity, your experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And I, you know, I appreciate that you're creating space for uh, empathy for Lucas, right? And and sort of recognizing the fact that this um, this worldview is is indoctrinated, um, yeah. and it's especially indoctrinated on you know white men of privilege, right? This sort of idea of especially white men of privilege who see themselves as progressive, right? Like this idea of like, things are better. These things don't exist. My sort of like my intellectualism obviously precludes me from practicing racism, fat phobia, misogyny. Um, and, and I, I, so I appreciate that you're offering him that empathy. And I also want to say that he is capable 
of listening and believing you. He is not doing that, but he is mm. capable of it, right? Yeah. Like the indoctrination doesn't prevent us uh, white folks from being able to hear right. the experiences of other people, right? It's our own defensiveness that prevents us from doing that. And that is something that we can be working on. So I appreciate that you're trying to create space for him and say like, none of this, he didn't ask for this, right? Absolutely, right? None of us really asked for systems of white supremacy, systems of misogyny, and we are all active participants in them. So if we're not doing the work to dismantle those understandings in ourselves, then we're we're not doing the work um, and we're capable of it, right? Mm. Like we can't make excuses to say like, well, I learned something different and so... I'm not going to listen, right? That's not, no, that's not the point. The point is to say, yeah, I learned something that's bullshit and my job is to listen, right? My job is to believe what people are telling me about their own experiences. And Lucas is capable of it, just as all of us white folks are capable of it, right? We can hear these things. We just actively choose not to a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I love that you're creating space for him. And I also want there to be accountability for him because he has the opportunity to decide what he's going to listen to and believe. And it sounds like he's listening to and believing a lot of things that reinforce his own worldview. And, and maybe these are things that he's come into because of the internet or whatever it is. But those are the things that he's choosing to believe. He's choosing to not believe your experience. And I want to say it in that, in that sort of black mm. and white sort of sense, because I don't want you to feel like it's your job to somehow coddle him into doing the work that he's capable of yes, doing. Exactly. It is not your job to do that. It is his. And the fact that you have already done so much work to say, here's my experience, like, you know, you ask like, how can I tell you, how can I talk about this stuff without him feeling like he's being attacked? Guess what? He's going to choose to feel attacked. <laughs> like those, that is actively the choice that he's making in this. No matter how kindly you're saying these things to him, you're already doing it. You're already doing it in the way that I would recommend it, right? You're already doing it in the way that's saying like, this is my experience. And he's saying, nope, that's not it. That's not, that's not real. And I, so I want to sort of put that in stark terms because I want, yeah. like Sierra said, I want you to see the the pain that he is inflicting on you and to offer you the idea that like he he can choose to do something else and he's not. He he is not a baby. He is mm. not like his. We spend a lot of time infantilizing white men. Right. And, and creating space for them to enact violence on themselves and others and be like, oh, well, they didn't mean it, right? And I'm, I'm saying to you, he's a grown-ass adult who has access to the same internet that you do, and he is actively choosing to not believe or receive the experiences of people who don't look like him. Mm. And, and I, I don't have a whole lot of empathy for that, right? Like, he's 24. There's a lot of conversation that's been going on in a lot of different places, including in your apartment, with you, yeah, the person totally. that he loves, right? And he's making active choices to not believe those things. And and I just want to say that like sort of out yeah, loud. You're just saying it. Because I want you to it's one of those things where it's like, let's let's accept the radical reality of what's happening here. Right. Um and I and I I'm sure that he's a nice person, right? Like I am I am sure that and I have empathy and, and compassion for him in this. And I'm also like, you need some accountability, buddy, because you have, you have a lot of choices in front of you and you're choosing to reinforce worldviews that are causing active harm, not just to like abstract people in the world, but literally to the woman yes. who you purport to love, right? Yes. Like 
that's that's harmful. That is deeply harmful. Yeah. And as we always say, love and compassion goes hand in hand with accountability, right? Like just because you have empathy for somebody doesn't, and you understand how, like you literally painted us a beautiful map of how he got exactly to where he is right now. So we have empathy for that. We understand that. But like Sam says, a lot of people have access to the exact same map and and ended up somewhere else. (laughs) Um, For real. And I think Sam's right too, that it's, Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately just because I know how heavy this can weigh on your heart and your your life, the issue isn't how do I get him to hear me, it's how do I accept that he is choosing not to, you know, he's choosing mm. not to understand me right now, um, yep. and what to do with that information, because, I don't know, like, <laughs> just off the cuff, like, I, do I want you to get him to understand you? Yes. Do I, I want, do I want some growth to happen here so that this love can grow and mature and change alongside the two of you? Yes. I I want that to happen. And also I don't want to send you away from this podcast thinking this is on me to deliver this perfect package in order for this partner of mine to turn into the person I need him to be, right? Instead mm. of saying, this is who he is, and he is a grown grown man who is responsible for his own growth. And um, and he's also accountable to his own growth, right? Like, like Sam yep. said, it's not just that he's responsible for his own growth because we can always argue like, well, um, upbringing or, or who are we surrounded with, yada, yada. But, but like, okay, cool. So you weren't, you weren't shown a lot of different lived experiences growing up or, and you Mm -hmm. didn't, you didn't want for a lot or, or whatever we want to say. Okay. That's understandable. I see how that could affect your worldview now, but what I am going to hold you accountable to, I'm not going to hold you accountable to the past that you cannot control, but I will hold you accountable to what you can access now. Right. Right. How are you treating me right as your girlfriend now? Um, How are you diminishing my, Agree to disagree can only take you so far, right? If it was mm-hmm. like, wow, I absolutely see how your lived experience was different than mine. I see how, you know, like, I feel like agree to disagree is just a fancy way of saying, like, I'm not going to acknowledge your experience. <laughs> no, absolutely. Right? Like, agree to disagree is something we say when we're, like, when we when one of us likes a book and the other one doesn't, and right? Food, like we yeah, can say food, like yeah. agree to disagree, like, you know, like <sighs> eh, it's not for me, whatever. Agree yeah. to like, there's no agree to disagree when somebody's telling you their experience and you're saying and you like, have a different oh, well, perspective we, on it even, and you have a totally yeah, different absolutely. life. <laughs> you don't get to disagree about somebody's experience. Yes. Right? Like, yes. I think if you are wanting to and willing to, continue to have these conversations with him to try and bring him into a different understanding. Um, I think that you're doing it in the right way, right? So talking about your experiences um, and also talking about how the way that he's responding to them is hurting you, right? To, to make that really clear to him. Um, and I know that like as somebody who has experienced a number of different uh, systems of privilege because of my identity, right? I'm very thankful to the folks who who have those marginal identities who have told me that the words that I've right. said or the actions that I've done have hurt them because it is helpful 
to sort of see that in somebody's face that is right in front of you, right? To say like, oh shit, I've hurt, not again, I haven't hurt this sort of like disembodied group of people, but instead like this person who's sitting right in front of me. And like the idea that you have to keep doing that over and over in your relationship with this person that you love um, sounds really challenging to me. So all that to say, like, it's up to you to decide what you are willing and able and capable of in, in, in doing the work to help this man do the thing that he should be doing already. And I think it's okay if you say, this isn't for me, this isn't work that I'm willing to do. I need to be in relationship with somebody who's going to be more willing to receive and believe my experiences of these very real systems of dominance that, that exist. Yes. In Europe too. So like, yes, there you go. All that to say, like, I, (laughs) this is one of those things where it's like, I don't know what the advice is, but like, it's, it's sort of up to you in this moment to decide how much work you're willing to put into, um, doing the work that he's refusing to do in this moment. Yeah. And recognizing that like, there's no silver bullet for, for getting, um, for getting us out of the trap of our own experience and the trap of like the, the bubbles that we exist in that sort of reinforce these narratives that, that turns out are a hundred percent not true. So yeah. yeah, all that to say, I'm, I'm just sorry that you're in this position. Uh, and we really love sucks. you and we believe you. Those Absolutely. experiences that you're having, that perspective you have, it's real. Absolutely. And right, thank you darling. for trusting us with the the stories of those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. We love you so much and we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Our next letter is from lonely 32-year-old loser, which <laughs> self-disparaging in that one. <laughs> uh, her pronouns are she, her, and she is writing from Still Singlesville, USA. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I just started listening to JBU in the past year and I'm hooked. I really appreciate your kind and thoughtful advice in a world that can still be very unkind and very unthoughtful. Thank you so much for the time and effort you put into everyone's emails. I am writing because I am curious on your perspective on my situation. I'm a 32-year-old hetero cis female and relationships are the one aspect of my life I just can't seem to figure out. I have always been somewhat of an individualist, preferring to just do things on my own rather than with other people. I'm not sure why I am this way, but it's kind of just the way I came out. I've had love in my life in the past, particularly a relationship I had in college with a man who at the time felt like my soulmate, Hmm. but we eventually grew apart and broke up. After that, I traveled, lived abroad, changed jobs a million times and had other relationships and learned a lot about myself and about life. Fast forward to a few years ago, I finally settled down in my current city, bought a condo, decorated it exactly the way I wanted to, put up an art studio, and got a cat. I was super proud of myself for doing all this on my own when everyone I knew was doing it with partners. I felt kind of superior to everyone else that I could say, screw love and partnership. I don't need anyone. I'm going to do this all by myself. Now, after a few years of living this way, this novelty has kind of worn off. My pattern seems to be that I will be single for very long stretches of time until I finally grow so deprived of human touch and connection that I go on dating apps and have brief, relatively toxic relationships where my sexual needs are bent, but little else is. 
I used to think that I didn't need or want relationships at all, but my therapist has actually helped me to identify that I'm a romantic, meaning that I have a very high standard for romantic relationships. In my college relationship, the one man that I thought was my soulmate, the feeling of being, quote, in love wore off after about two years, and then this is when I lost interest in being with him. I have wondered if I don't need a partner badly enough that I am willing to stay in relationship after this feeling is gone. However, I really don't like this current cycle I'm in either. Not only is it totally exhausting to keep inviting in these short, toxic relationships, but I sometimes look around at my lonely little condo and think, this is just sad. I look at other people who are married or in partnerships, and I think that they must be smarter for me for just picking someone and settling down with them, or that they have some kind of secret about how to keep romance alive in relationships that I just don't. I once heard a quote that when something like, relationships best suit the kind of people who don't expect very much from them. And I thought that maybe this accurately summed up my problem, but I'm curious to see what you think of that. In order to be in a relationship and get out of this lonely life I've created for myself, do I need to lower my standards and just accept that the butterflies, romance, intoxication feeling in relationships just simply wears off over time? Or do you think that I just haven't met anyone who I have a strong enough connection with to keep growing with and feeling romantic about over time, and I should keep searching? I should also mention that another problem I have is that I think everyone around me is extremely boring, and every time I go on a date, I'm already disappointed by the person in like five minutes. Yikes. I hope I explained this well enough and don't make myself sound like a horrible, soulless person. Some of it is hard to put into words. All the best, Mary. Mary, that's so much better than the original title you go this you gave this letter. Um, so I'm gonna call you that. Uh, thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this delicate and thoughtful question. Um, yeah, there's a lot here. And I'm wondering, Sam, there's a couple things I want to talk about, but there's like a glaring attachment style in this. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that too. Um, in this uh, episode or in this letter that I thought maybe you would want to like tackle just for a little. And I also was wondering, we should have talked about this before I press record, but um, <laughs> it also reminds me of the book um, that you suggested, The All or Nothing Marriage and the idea of partnerships now. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Things. Great. Put we can talk spot. about two books. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Mary, um, I would definitely recommend the book attached, which talks about different types of attachment styles. Um, cause I'm not trying to diagnose you cause I don't know you, um, and I'm not in your body. Um, but I know that, um, when I was struggling with a, um, avoidant attachment style, I was experiencing a lot of the similar things that you were, which was like this idea of like, I'm better off alone. And then this thing where it's like, oh, actually, but I need people. <laughs> I can't just exist on my own for the rest of my life. Um, and then having this thing of sort of this hot and cold where it's like, yeah, I really want to be in relationship with this person. And then like, oh no, suddenly they're boring to me or like, mm -hmm. oh, the feeling wore off. And so now I, I can sort of just take a step back. Um, and so I don't say that because I want to like diagnose you or tell you like you have an avoidant attachment style, you monster. But instead <laughs> to say um, there may be things in that book that could be helpful for you to figure yeah. out sort of what some of your triggers are or why some of these thought processes might be happening for you and invite you to um, notice when they're coming up and and decide what you want to do with that information. Right. Again, there's there's nothing wrong with having an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. And it's a tool of self-awareness for us to say, 
okay, this is what's this is what's happening. It's familiar. I know it, and I know that I want to be doing something different. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try a different thing out. Especially the thing you said about being romantic. I think I miscalculated people with an avoidant attachment style as folks who wanted to literally avoid relationships, right? But it's just Mm -hmm. exactly the opposite. Um, It is people who deeply want connections, who put relationships on the highest pedestal, um, and they're romantics. They want that dreamy, butterfly-y, feel-good, perfect love um, that we often see in (laughs) rom-coms all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that feeling that you have of like, I find other people boring. Absolutely. Like I, I also deeply relate with that. Um, <laughs> you and I had to, I had to do something different, right? Yeah. I had to, like, I was for sure a person who was like other people, ugh, who needs them? Um, and had to train myself to instead yeah. really see other people as not boring as, yes. as like very emotionally rich, very culturally rich, very intellectually rich, all of these different things. And, and now I love first dates and I love meeting people. <laughs> so, cause it's an opportunity to get to know and people have so many fun things that they're interested in that are yeah. so outside of my experience. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I would check out that book. And then I also thinking about, um, or I should say Sierra was thinking about, <laughs> and I will talk about, uh, this Thank book you, that I my read, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this book that I read called The All or Nothing Marriage, which was about sort of the, um, it was about marriage particularly, but was also sort of about the the transition of all sorts of sort of monogamous partnerships, uh, romantic relationships that we have and how the, the, the reasons for those relationships have changed from sort of self-sufficiency, right? Like this idea of like, we got to get together and have kids because we have like a farm to run (laughs) or like we got to make sure that we can like put food on the table. Um, And then sort of transitioning to this idea of like, no relationships are about love, right? We should be finding people who make us feel good all the time. Um, And then that was like actually a very brief period of time when that happened. right? Uh, And now we're transitioning into this sort of idea of, Marriages being about partnership for self-exploration and self-actualization, right? So this idea of being in partnership with people can help us to be able to do the things that we want to do and help us to understand ourselves and come into our understanding of ourselves in in meaningful ways. Um, And everything that we see about relationships right now in romantic comedies, in television shows, in books that we read is about love as being the decider for what relationships should be about. Right. And actually what we've, what folks have found is that like relationships based on love are actually really not sustainable because those feelings go away. (laughs) Right. Like those, like those brain chemicals begin to dissipate after about two years, which why is why it makes sense to me that you were like, yep, I'm done with this relationship after two years. Um, and that we need to pivot if we're going to continue to have healthy and sustainable relationships with people. Again, if that's your goal, if that's not right. your goal, totally fine. Like you don't need to listen to what I'm saying here, but like, <laughs> if that is your goal, that actually really focusing on not just that feeling of like romance and butterflies, yeah. but also about, is this the type of person that's going to be able to help me in pursuit of my deeper understanding of myself and the things that I want to do? And am I going to be able to help this person do those things as well? in 
in a relationship with each other. Yeah. Um, and I know that that feels like settling to you. Uh, and I totally understand and, and deeply believe that. And for me, it didn't feel like settling. It felt like making a really intentional decision to yes. be with a person who I knew was going to be there for me and supportive of me and that our worldviews and our goals aligned and meshed yes. really well. Yes. And that, I don't know, I still look at Peter and sometimes get butterflies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like sometimes I'm just like, oh, here you are. I just love you so much. I, I totally agree. And I want to say that the people who when you look around and you see people in relationships or partnerships or marriages and you think, are they, you know, were they smarter or better than me or did they just settle? Listen, mm. they weren't smarter or better or more deserving. And I don't know if they settled or not. <laughs> like we don't know the intricacies. <laughs> this is just something that we do as humans. We look at other people and assume that they're less fucked up than we do, we are or like they're more happy or, or we mm -hmm. love to look at other people and think, oh, no, no, they settled. They're unhappy. This can't be true. They can't be this in love or or, you know, right. like they were given this or they got it easy and I've got it hard. You know, we love to feel higher or lower than other people to give us a sense of control in the world where we have none. <laughs> mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, uh, I agree with Sam. Um, I think that there is this unpacking that we have to do, all of us, regardless of our attachment styles or relationship history. Um, we have to like un unindoctrinate ourselves in the idea of love and what does actual long lasting love look like? Again, if you want long lasting love, we see mm -hmm. media representations as this grand gestures, romance, butterflies, but I'm not really sure if that's love. I don't think love is butterflies. I think that's um, maybe just under uh, categorized as romance or infatuation or lust or crushing, you know, but long-term partnerships, or at least my current relationship, you know, I don't feel like I settled, but I don't feel that intense obsession that I felt mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, I feel a different level of obsession. <laughs> I, Maybe the obsession went from like, oh my God, I think you're so fine and I can't believe this is so awesome and romantic and uh -huh. like, I want to do all these grand gestures for you. It went from that to, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this life that we have. It's not the butterflies, mm. you know, it's not the like picturesque, perfect, like romantic um endorphins that Sam is talking about, but it is instead the fact that we made choices and we created a relationship vision together that we followed through on. And now that life is starting to look like that vision that we shared and we're honing that vision and we, we are working towards it. It is, I don't feel like I settled. Um, I feel less butterflies these days, but more stability, more contentment, more like genuine fulfillment if that makes sense. Mm. Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know, um, and vulnerability, man, like that's the other thing, like butterflies are exciting and you're nervous and you want to get kissed and you want to wear the right thing. You want to have this first experience with people. 
But for sure, it's vulnerable to have like a 1,082nd experience with a person <laughs> and still <laughs> yes. say thank you and um, still say I love you and still say I'm sorry and still show up for those conversations and again and again because you you go deeper if you if you don't see it as a plateau it's. And if you commit to it, you're actually going deeper into that connection. You're going deeper into the vulnerability, which is like a bizarre, abstract metaphor that might not be working, but I'm going to just go with it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Um, And all of this to say, you don't have to have a long-term monogamous relationship if you don't want it. I'm glad you said that because I I wanted to like cut myself off there first. I'm going to cut you off instead of myself (laughs) and just be like... I'm, we're talking about our get, partnerships we're get angry because letters. You're, I know you're always interrupting yep. me. <laughs> yep. No. No. Start talking. And I'm going to do it again. Say something. Okay. Okay. So then. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yes, all I want to say is Sam and I are talking about our marriages, which are hypothetically long-term partnerships that we are in, embarked upon. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but we didn't do anything right or wrong. And we also didn't settle and we also don't have a perfect love. You know, I think it's right. like taking the love off of the pedestal, see see it for what it really is. This malleable, mm-hmm. vulnerable, you know, sometimes dull and sometimes fucking awesome <laughs> thing. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those things. Um, yeah. And like I was saying, you you can have a series of two years. Two re- whoop. You can have a series of two year relationships if that's the thing you want to do, right? Like, again, we, we sort of have this, this preference for monogamy, long-term monogamy, heterosex, heterosexuals. Heterosexuals. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> heterosex. Uh, we love that. Um, right. And do we? there's nothing, there's <laughs> people seem to love it. Um, I don't. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not making wrong decisions to be in a place where you don't necessarily want that or like yeah. it hasn't happened for you. Um, if it is your goal to be in a relationship like that, right? Like I do think that some of the the books that I talked about might be helpful for you, but I'm also not committed to you doing anything differently unless you want to, right? Yes, unless there's something right that you're there. looking for. Um, and... And like kudos for you, like great job buying that condo, getting in your career, getting that cat, like all of those things that you've been able to experience as a person who's single in the world. Um, And if those are things that you want to keep, great. You don't have to find something different. Like you don't have to settle. Um, But I also don't want you to settle for being alone because it seems easier than Mm, being with mm -hmm. someone else, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, all this to say that we're doing the just wake up thing and saying all things are valid and true. Uh, um, <laughs> I want to add to that, too. Like, I I know people that just prefer shorter relationships because because they need it to be more exciting. You know, like mm-hmm. I or they want it to be a specific kind of exciting. I feel like my marriage right now is deeply exciting because we're sleep deprived and we have a new baby and it's like, everything's new and different and lovely and stressful. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, We had sex today, like triple high five for us, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like when you get it in as new parents, (laughs) Uh Uh very exciting. But, um, my point is, um, I think that maybe sort of like 
in addition to dethroning romance and butterflies as the end-all be-all um, scale to which we grade relationships also take take Mm -hmm. off time duration from there you know a long relationship is not inherently better than a short relationship um maybe it's just not serving your life anymore and as sam was talking um i did the ultimate just break up thing as well and thought dang like um what if what if the letter writer is not doing anything wrong? Well, none of y'all are doing anything quote unquote wrong. You're just making choices. But like, what Mm -hmm. if you just kept on going and you kept dating these people and then you found somebody who did stick around longer and maybe it was three years this time. And then you dated somebody for four years and then you dated somebody for 10 and then they died. And then you did somebody for a year, you know, like, um, I feel like we get stuck in thinking if I don't get on the right path, then I'm going to end up, alone or I've done something wrong or I'm not worthy Mm. of these relationships, but so many lives out there, so many lives out there look different than the stories that we see in rom-coms or popular media. So many lives look different than Sam and I's, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so many lives look different than mine. I got, I met, I reconnected with my wife at 32, got married two years later, and then had a baby at 36. Like I, you know, that is, that's not everyone's path. And, um, I just think that while we're dethroning things, let's dethrone the common experience, you know, because everybody's timelines are different. And then all we do is compare them to what you, to each other. I hear in your letter Mm -hmm. that you say, I want something else. I want something more. I feel like. I want a long-term partnership. So I'll, I honor that need. And also like, I don't think you're doing anything wrong necessarily, but maybe they're here. Maybe the books that Sam suggested can help you pivot some perspective or give you a new language to talk about your experience. I think that all of that is great. I love the idea of taking off the pedestal, this, this sort of universal experience or understanding of the world. Um, because yeah. I think it, it not only, offers us an opportunity to practice more empathy and understanding for other folks, but it also helps us not experience so much shame in ourselves when we don't necessarily conform to that idea of like this universal expectation of how people should be in relationship with each other. Um, so I, I think that that is great. Um, and all of this to say, uh, Mary, that, we love you. Um, we're sorry that you're going through this experience of toxicity on the apps. Um, know that you're not alone in that yeah, experience. Yeah, 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 I can yeah. tell you based on uh, the letters that I read that you're not alone in that. Um, and just know that Sierra and I have faith that you will find the thing that you're looking for and you're going to find it in a way that isn't going to make you settle. And if that thing is being by yourself, if that thing is short-term relationships, if that thing is something longer term, um, we have faith that you're going to find it. You're going to know it when you find it and you're going to do a great job of nurturing it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you are really going to like. And this week we want to send you home with it's a person, book, and podcast. <laughs> so I promise to not share every single like parenting resource that I've been enjoying um, because not everybody's on that journey, but also like not everybody's into Wordle. So I feel like it's <laughs> just kidding. Everybody's into Wordle. <laughs> People love the Wordle. <laughs> 
Um, but I am suggesting this particularly because it's honestly made me think about dating as well. If y'all haven't started joining us on Patreon, I think it was last week we released one of our like all time, my all time favorite episodes that Sam and I had where we just had like such a profound and great conversation um, that I was like truly grateful for one that I'm going back and listening to again. That's like how good it was. And it was a lot about like breaking familial cycles in parenting and relationships, like how, you know, my parents taught me how to be, how to love and how I inflict that in like uh, incomplete education on my wife and now my child trying to make, you know, all your baggage comes out when you fucking have a parent, but also like when you have like a long-term <laughs> partnership and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, uh-huh. 24 minutes into this blind day, I'll say this name of it. <laughs> um, it's a person named Dr. Becky, um, Dr. Becky Kennedy, um, Dr. Becky is a clinical psychologist and mom of three, and she has like an online platform, a book, and a podcast, um, basically all about breaking cycles in parenting um, and alternative routes to um, parenting choices like punishments and praise, like, and how to really build emotionally resilient children. And man, when you are unpacking some of this stuff, it, it, it really makes you think about how you were raised, how you, um, put that style of parenting on your interpersonal relationships and now on your children and like um, makes you really think about your relationship to things like shame and guilt and sense of self maybe maybe connected to punishment and or um, praise connected to your worthiness you know and so I'm trying to build an emotionally resilient child who I'm going to inevitably fuck up regardless of the choices I make but um, Dr. Becky's content has been really helpful and honestly has made me really think about my relationship and my my how I show up in my relationships as well so if you are a parent or if you're just generally dis, you know interested in like how the fuck people become people <laughs> Because I enjoy this podcast on like multiple different levels. Um, check out uh, all of her her book. Her 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 platform is basically called Good Inside. The idea that we're all like good inside, even if we are naughty. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And how to parent in that way, uplifting that goodness inside you. Um, so it's the podcast is called Good Inside with Dr. Becky. The Instagram is. Dr. Becky at Good Inside and the book is Good Inside by Dr. Becky Kennedy, a guide to becoming the parent you want to be. Break those break those generational cycles, friends. I know it's hard work. I know it's really uncomfortable. You can do it in your relationships. You can do it with your children and you can do it with yourself. That's all what I'm saying. I love it. Hypothetically, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but so I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise.
Please remember to follow or subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode, as well as all sorts of other perks at different levels. It's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music production, recording, producing, all all magical things by our amazing friend, Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast, which is now um, The Layers Layer Season 2, <laughs> which yeah. is a great British Bake Off um, enthusiast podcast with his wonderful <laughs> wife, Katie. Check that out on wherever, whatever listening platform you enjoy. Um, and remember... Other people don't get to define what is real or not to us. Other people's relationships don't define what our life path should be. Other people's life goals don't get to dictate what we want to accomplish. I know you were taught from many different platforms, many different people that you by yourself is not valuable, but you on your own alone is, you are enough. You are worthy of your own company, worthy of your own intuition, worthy of your own love. And you can use all of that to steer your life path, to make your decisions for and by yourself. And if all else fails, just break up.